Hey guys, welcome to my channel. My name is Dr. Tom LaHue, and uh, we talk about all kinds of things related to the Enneagram and being balanced, healthy people, having good relationships. Before we get started on today's uh, video, I just want to call your attention to our to the website, TomLahue.com. You can book Enneagram coaching appointments. Also, there's a link on my website to our certificate programs if you're interested in learning how to uh, use the Enneagram to coach others and to help others. We'd love for you to consider jumping into one of those programs. They're affordable and a lot of fun. So uh, thanks also to my patrons. I really appreciate your continued support. Thank you for your generosity. Okay, so today we want to talk about uh, the lines between each type. Uh, I don't mean the, the uh, lines of integration or the line of disintegration. Actually, you don't even really see lines between each type, but I want you to imagine that if you were to look at the Enneagram symbol, um, and think about all the numbers that go around the outside. Think about there being harsh lines between each type, okay? So between the one and the two, there's a line. Between the two and the three, there's a line, all right? And I wanna talk about the value of blurred lines, of blending between those lines. So imagine that uh, each one of those types has a kind of worldview, a perspective, a way of looking at life that could be very different than their neighbor. Uh, the way the one, the important things to the one, the focus of the one, the what the attention of the one is on is very different than that of the two or of the nine. So think of it there being a harsh line that divides the one from the nine and the one from the two. What I want to talk about is learning to see the value of blurring that line a little bit or blending between those types. There's, there's often great value in thinking about blending between the lines or blurring between the lines, okay? So I want to talk about the focus of each type and how that line blends, all right? So let's start with, let's start with the, uh, the one, okay? Let's just start there with the one. Um, look at the one as being a person who says there's a right way to do things. Uh, there's a right way to do things, and those things need to be started now. We need to show up now. We need to get there early. We need to get the list out. We need to get things done. We need to be productive. Let's quit talking about it. Let's get moving. Now, look at the line between the one and the two. Um, for a lot of twos, doing uh, things that are nice is being good. Okay, so for the one, doing it right is good. Doing For the two, being nice is good. So be nice, be compassionate, be kind, be thoughtful, think of others, make others feel welcome. And for the one, be responsible, do it right, put it away, say what you mean, be direct, be straightforward, be clear. Now, which one of those approaches is the is correct for life. And this is the question I want you to think about as we go around the entire dial. Which one of these orientations to life is the right way to live? Okay? So, I mean, we're on type one, so let's ask a one question. Which way is right? To want to do things correct or to want to do things in a nice way? Imagine that you have difficult news you have to share. You know, Marty, I'm sorry, we're going to have to let you go. Marty, I'm sorry, you're not uh, living up to your job performance is not acceptable. You have bad news you have to deliver. Okay, should you, 
Should you do it quickly and do it straightforward and be responsible and do what needs to be done? Or should you do it in a nice way, compassionate and careful, uh, diplomatic? Which one of those is the right way to live? Which one of those is the right perspective to have? Do it, do, do it right or do it nice? Imagine that uh, somebody comes up to you and asks for assistance. Somebody comes up and says, hey man, I don't have any money. I'm on my way out of town and I just need some money. Do you, can you help me? Okay, well, the two way of responding, the archetype two way of responding is, oh, I'm so sorry to hear about that. What can I do to help you? The archetype, when you think like the archetype of a type one, that response might be very different. Like, um, what you need is you need to get a job. That's what your problem is. And if I were to help you by giving you money, that's not really helping you. You need to learn from your mistakes and you need to take responsibility and do better next time. Now, look, those are two very different approaches. Which one of them is correct? Which one of them is the right way to respond to somebody in need? What I want you to see, why I'm asking that question, which is the right way, is I want you to see that both of those responses both of those ways of looking at life, both of those orientations are both appropriate depending on the circumstances. So the one might need to learn to consider when a two response or a two orientation might be preferred and a two ought to learn that sometimes that one way of responding is the correct response. Like sometimes the best way to help people is to let them be miserable in their, in, in their, uh, in, in their decisions, is to let them experience their consequences. And that's not necessarily the natural orientation of a two. To let people experience the consequences of their decision doesn't feel like you're helping them. Showing up, bailing them out, rescuing them, that feels like help. But there are times when the one way of responding is the preferred, the most helpful way to respond. So learning to blend that line. You see what I'm saying? Learning to blend that line. If you're a two, learning that sometimes I've got to, I've got to act in a more one-ish way. If you're a one, sometimes I need to blend a little more into that two way. Um, think about a one who knows the right thing that needs to be done, knows what is necessary, but maybe doesn't share it out loud. Well, twos share. So maybe as a one, think about, I need to lean on my two a little bit and I need to help others by telling them what they ought to do, telling them what needs to be done, being clear about what needs to be done. Um, Let's go, we'll come back to the one and nine relationship at the end, okay? So let's move on. So the two and the three, what's the line between the two and the three? Um, well, the first thing that comes to mind, and there's probably multiple aspects of this on every line. I'm just kind of going around summarizing, you know, off the top of my head, the first thing that comes to my mind. Between the two and the three. Well, look at the two, very focused on others. Um, you know, putting the spotlight on others. What can I do for you? How can I help you? Tell me about your problems. Tell me about your needs. Tell me about, oh, you grew up where? That's amazing. Did you guys hear where, where this person grew up? Twos focus the attention externally on others. Where do threes focus their attention? Well, threes are looking at others, but they tend to focus their attention on themselves. Like, how can I take what I'm learning to improve myself, to better myself? 
to, um, to set new goals, to push myself, to uh, develop myself. So threes tend to focus their attention on themselves at how they can improve and better themselves. Twos focus their attention on others, how they can improve and better others. Now again, let's ask that same question. Which one of those orientations is the best for life? Which one of those ways of doing business is the, is the preferred way of doing business? Again, what I want you to see is that at times, both of those could be appropriate. A two might need to at times learn to lean on their three and say, it's not wrong or selfish for me to work on myself. It's not wrong for me to do the things I enjoy, to better myself, to improve myself, to take care of myself. It's not selfish or bad. I need to learn to balance that as a two. That it's okay for me to improve, take care of, work on, you know, you might say every once in a while the bus needs to go into the garage and be serviced if it's going to cart all these people around. The twos are like buses that cart people around, but every once in a while they've got to service the bus. And that can feel very selfish, like you're put, like you're putting your needs ahead of others. Again, blending that line between two and three. Now a three, um, you know, the same thing. The three could learn to blend a little better with the two and say, I, I might need to focus on helping others, um, you know, develop themselves. What could I do to inspire others to, to want more, to achieve more, to uh, improve their lives? How could I invest in others to develop them? It's not just about me and developing me and making me a better asset. What could I do to pour into and mentor others and coach them along so that they could develop and they could improve? See that line right there? Which one of those ways is the best way to, uh, to operate? Well, it depends. Sometimes uh, like a two and sometimes like a three. Blending that line would be a great move for both uh, both types. All right, look at the line between the three and the four. So at this line, think of it as the three, I've got to do what it takes to get ahead. I've got to do what it takes to win the prize. I've got to do what it takes to, to achieve and to accomplish and to prove worth and value, to prove that um, I deserve to have that corner office. So the three is moving ahead strategically, networking with the right people, getting their work done, outperforming others, um, you know, killing it in order to demonstrate that they're not like everybody else. They're a leader, they're a champion, they're a warrior, they're a, a lion, and other people are sheep. Look at the four on the other side of that. You need to do what matters to you. You need to do what you're passionate about. You need to do what um, rings true for you. Now, that's very different than I need to do what it takes to win. Um, I need to know what others want me to be. There's a three. And then become the best version of that. The four. You need to know yourself. You need to look inward and know yourself and know what you want in life. Why do you want that corner office? Why do you want that promotion? What, what 
what about that company you're working for do you feel strongly and passionately about other than achieving and winning? Do you believe in these products? Do they resonate with you? Do they ring true with you? So the four, very much more mindful of who I am, what am I going to give my life to? Is it something that matters to me? Is it something that's important to me? Look, I need to start with who I am and then find a job where I can, I can give back and be fully myself at that job. Something that I feel strongly and passionately about. And that needs to be more than just winning or attaining or achieving or being successful. If I accomplish everything and, I, and, and I'm not working for something that matters to me, how is that successful? That's not being successful. So there's a, a, a clear line here between threes and fours. Do what it takes to win. And the four, do what you're passionate about. And that should be more than just you know, moving through some hoops and winning some kind of certificates, prizes, awards, diplomas, trophies. There needs to be something more valuable here, something that resonates true for you. Okay, now which one of those is the appropriate way to operate? Well, I think again, there's some balance that needs to happen. Fours could probably look at that three and say, you know, um, sometimes you just need to get your work done and sometimes you just need to do what it takes to get a paycheck. And sometimes you have to just be friendly and kind and be charming like a three and be who people need you to be because you're on their clock. You're getting a paycheck from them. So you, you have to just sometimes put your special self aside and just do your job. Just do your job and just you know, show up in a way that uh, people need you to show up and do what it takes to to make a living. And that can be an important blending for a four because a four might think, well, I can't be somebody I'm not. Well, you, you need to get a paycheck. So put on the uniform and go to work and be like everybody else and get a paycheck. That can be a hard thing for some fours to to uh, to be like everybody else and um, okay so the threes okay you are you're killing it you're you're setting and accomplishing all these goals but when you get to the end of the journey what did your life count for other than making a ton of money for people other than you were the um, you know salesperson of the year for eight years in a row other than you knocked it out of the park. You did things well, but did you do the right things? Did you do things that really matter? I mean, are you balanced at all in how you live? You give all of yourself to work, to uh, training, to self-improvement, but where's your family? Where's your community? Where's your religious life? Where's your soul? Where's your soul? So blending that line between do what it takes to win and for do what is most valuable to you. Know yourself. I need, to, I need to know what others need me to be. And the four, you need to know yourself. Which one of those is the most appropriate? Well, they're both necessary. Blending between those lines is a good move for both. Okay? Four and five. 
So fours, you know, the stereotype fours, emotionally connected, intuitive. Does this feel right to me? Does this ring true to me? Does this resonate with my soul? Is this something that I love and am passionate about? And then there's the five on the other side of the line. What does the data say? Let's remain objective. Um, I don't care how you feel. What is important is the objective data. What matters is what does the data say? And so four, fives have that very strong boundary lines, uh, compartmentalizing, keeping things in their proper places. Four is much more um, blended or much more integrated in um, how they make their decisions, much more intuitive, subjective. Look at that line between subjective and objective. I need to do what feels right to me, a four. I need to do what is objectively makes sense according to the data. Which one of those is the right way to make a decision? What feels right to you? What is subjectively true to you? What resonates is right with you? What your inner compass tells you is correct? Or are you looking at the external gauges? I need to make a decision based on the external gauges, not based on my, my subjective perceptions, but on the objective information. So whether I take this medicine, for example, or whether I go on this diet plan, well, this diet plan feels right to me. Okay, what's the evidence? Does this diet plan, has it worked? What is the percentages? What does the data say? Well, this medicine or this procedure feels right to me. What does the data say? What is the objective information? What are the statistics? The, what do the surveys indicate? Now, which one of those ways is the right way to make a decision? I want you to see that it just depends. It depends on the circumstance. It depends. And wouldn't it be great if both types could blend a little more? If fives could tap into their inner core a little more and say, yeah, I know what the data says, but on, I, I'm going to have to go with what I feel like seems true to me, even though the research, the data, it at the end of the day, I don't want to buy a guitar based on the statistics. I want to buy one that just fits. I want to buy one that feels right. I want to buy one that, that just, you know, that, that I like, that I like the way it looks. It feels like an extension of me. And the four could blend a little more with that five. Like, Sometimes I don't have to go with everything only if it feels right to me. Sometimes I need to just look at the objective facts and I need to make decisions a little bit more stoically. I need to make decisions a little bit more objectively, a little more, um, with a little less, you know, um, emotional input and a little more cognitive input. It would be very good if both types could learn to blend a little bit more between those lines. All right, so let's look at the five and the six. So the six, um, let's think of them as a little bit more suspicious than the five. Sort of like, what are they not telling you? Who funded this research? Who's behind this data? Um, and the sixes, I think, are much more interested in what does wisdom say? Like, what does experience say? You know, let me call some people that actually have done this 
and let me get their input. Let me ask real people, real individuals. If we're about to take a road trip, um, let me call some friends who've just come back from that road trip and let me ask them where they went, where, where they stopped, what was their experience. Again, the five, very objective, very cool, okay, kind of sterile, uh, very compartmentalized, uh, making their decisions based on the evidence and the research. And there's the six right next to them saying, now you understand that somebody had to fund that research. And anytime research gets funded, you know, it could be obscured a little bit in someone's favor. Um, the six, you know, the five might look at research as research. It's data and it needs to be understood, collected, gathered, and then decisions should be based on that. I think the six is going to look at research like, no, the way actual research is done in the real world is they decide on what they want the research to say and then they go do the research to back up their hypothesis. They let the um, decision lead the research. They let their decision and what they want to lead um, and then they research in a way to prove what they already want to say. So we, ideas like, we want to sell this shampoo. This is great shampoo. This shampoo has uh, Moroccan um, avocado oil in it. And uh, now let's go do the research to show that Moroccan avocado oil and pomegranate nectar, let's go do the research to show that that stuff actually improves your hair, a subject I wouldn't know much about. But now let's go find the research uh, to give evidence because we got to sell a product. And so the six is far more suspicious of research. Like, yeah, I hear all of your data. I hear all of your information, but, you know, mm, I'm still not convinced. Now, it would be good for fives to be aware of that little bit of suspicion because fives might think if people don't agree with the research that they're just being obstinate and they're being ridiculous and they're being ignorant and they're blind and they're, you know, just religious zealots that won't pay attention to the true way things are. I think fives could blend a little bit over to that six and realize maybe I need to ask some questions behind the questions you know, what are they not telling me? That's what sixes want to know. Fives, what is the research telling me? Sixes, what is it not telling me? What are they not saying out loud? And I think a five would be benefited if they could be a little more suspicious. Like, um, people are going to be suspicious of my information. And they're not being stupid or ignorant or foolish simply because they are not necessarily believing my information. They might be caught up in a moment of doubt and that's okay. A six knows don't push people. People become suspicious when you start pushing them, when you start forcing them to accept your your data or forcing them to accept your objectives. Give people the information and then let them have respect and let them decide for themselves. Sixes are much more folksy about things that way. And sixes, you know, you could benefit from the objectivity 
and uh, the objective data of the five. Sixes could get caught up in a spiral of doubt and never really feel like they're sure, never really feel like they know. And there's sometimes when you as a six just need to lean over into that five and say, you know what, I'm just gonna have to go with the data here. I've talked to everybody, I've done my research, I still am not sure what the right course of action is, whether Moroccan hair oil, pomegranate, nectar is going to help me or not. Sometimes I have to just accept the data and accept the evidence. And I kind of come back to that illustration of, you know, the six is not getting in the ocean because I'm going to get bitten by a shark. And the five is right there saying, you're 10 times more likely to die from a coconut falling on your head than you are from a shark attack. And that objective information can sometimes pull you out of that uh, downward spiral that sixes can sometimes get into. Okay, let's take a drink. Okay, the line between the six and the seven. Um, the sixes, just think of them as, you know, this is probably not going to work out very good. We need to have a plan. We need to uh, work that plan. We need to follow the rules. We need to stay connected. We need to make sure we're secure. And then look at the seven on the other side. Things are going to work out great. What are you talking about? Man, this is going to be awesome. People are going to love you. Of course, people are going to believe you. You're really smart. So the seven's preoccupation with the positive and their dreamy planning. Think of the sevens as the brainstormers on the Enneagram, right? But everything kind of lives up there in this cloudy, dreamlike state. Sevens are afraid to make a plan because a plan means you've made a decision. And if you've made a decision to choose A, then all the other options are off the table. And so planning can be difficult for sevens because when I say I'm going to do this and that, then I'm not going to do all those other things. I'm telling myself no to a whole list of other possibilities. So when you need dreamy planning or cloud-like planning, which really isn't planning, it's more dreaming and brainstorming, there's your seven. But when you need to actually have a plan, like first we're going to stop at the Best Western in Sioux City, then we're going to stop the next day at the Days Inn in Rapid City. When, when you need an actual plan, there's your six. So sixes, think of them as this is probably not going to work out on its own. We need to think about, talk about, we need to rehearse, we need to strategize, we need to get more information, we need to plan. The seven, this is going to work out great. People are going to love us. Let's be confident. Let's be bold. Let's just go out there. It's going to work itself out. Let's do this. Which one of those approaches is the right approach? Well, both could learn from each other. Both could blend a little bit better. It would be good for sevens to say, you know, maybe I actually need to sit down in a chair with a pencil and I need to write out the plan. I need to think this through. I need to develop a strategy and I need to make decisions. I need to say yes to this and no to that. Yes to this and no to that. And then I need to put it on my calendar. I need to follow through. And it would be good for sixes to maybe be a little bit more positive and a little bit more, well, this will probably work out. Maybe I've worried about this enough and maybe I can move on to something else. Maybe I can move on to something. Seven's moving on all the time to the next thing. Might be, it'd be good to just put this down and move on to something else. It'd be good for sevens to have that, um, 
that uh, concern of the sixes. And it would be good for sixes to have a little bit more naive um, levity about themselves like a seven. Blending that line could be a very good thing for both. Blur that line a little bit and lean over to the other side if, if it's not comfortable for you. Try to learn to lean over a little bit. All right, between the seven and the eight. Seven's the proverbial child. Um, the worst thought to a seven is of, of growing up, of children growing up. That's about as sad as it gets is, you know, uh, so seven's naive. It's going to work out fine. Um, it's candy land out there. Um, all we need is some new fresh ideas. Eights, you need to grow up. You need to tell people no. It's not candy land out there. It is a jungle out there. And you need to be prepared and ready for whatever's coming at you. And those people out there are not your friends. A seven. We're all friends. Sevens charm and disarm. Sevens make friends out of authority so that we can then, you know, move around that authority because we know that they could limit our freedom. Sevens make friends out of enemies, make friends out of authorities, and then you don't have enemies or authorities. Eights. Those people out there are not your friends. You need to grow up. You need to wise up. You need to realize that you need to take action. Dreaming and sitting around with all kinds of possibilities, just get focused and go. Just start moving forward. Pick, pick, make a decision, and let's start going. The seven, make a decision. Uh, to choose one means to say no to the others. And, you know, what if I get more information later and I find out this was actually the way we should have done it, not that. The eight, make a decision, stick with it, let's go. We don't have time to sit on a cloud. We need to take action. We need to take action. Something needs to be done and it needs to be done right now. Let's go. Pick up and let's move. Now, which one of those orientations is the best? Um... Keep your options open. Everybody's my friend. This is going to work out great. Let's be childlike and innocent and playful and fun. Or the world is a jungle. Those people are not your friends. You need to grow up. You need to be a man. You need to face challenges head on. You need to be direct. You need to speak your mind. You need to say what needs to be said. Which one of those is appropriate? Again, I want you to see that it just depends. It would be good if both could access the other. If we could blur the line a little bit. If eights could maybe try something new. If eights could be a little more charming. If eights could be a little more fun-loving. If eights could be a little bit more dreamy. A little more childlike and innocent and naive. If sevens could be a little bit more mature. If sevens could be a little bit more direct and straightforward and bold. If sevens could be a little bit more, let's take action and quit, quit talking about it. And let's just start taking action. Let's start developing steps. Let's start moving in the, in the direction. Pick a direction and let's go. Make a decision and let's go. Blending those lines. All right, look at the eight and the nine. The eight. Something needs to be done about this right now. I need to do something about this right now. The nine. Nothing really needs to be done about this right now. And if it does, I don't need to be the one that does anything. I don't need to be the one that says anything. The eight. 
Those people need to be told the nine. I don't need to tell them what to do. They'll figure it out on their own. Um, eights, I need to go after this. I need to chase this down. I need to hunt this down. I need to get to the bottom of this. The nine. This really isn't my concern. This isn't something I need to be upset about. This isn't something I need to be bothered with. This isn't something I need to, I need to follow up on. Now, which one of those is the appropriate way to live? Do you see it? It just depends. The nine could probably benefit, could certainly benefit with a little more eight-like um, approach. Maybe I do need to do something because the nine could be stuck in inaction and disengaged from life, disengaged from work, disengaged from relationships, um, and not maybe speak up for themselves and not be able to tell people no and not be able to move into action. They could be a little bit withdrawn and stuck and it would be good for most nines probably all nine wing ones to learn to blur that line a little bit over to eight. And I need to do something. I need to take action. I need to start, I need to start moving forward. I need to go after this. I need to tell them, no, I need to say, I'm sorry, I can't help you with this. And eights, particularly eight wing sevens, wouldn't it be great if the eight could learn a little bit of that nine? I don't need to worry about this. This isn't my fight. This isn't my conflict. I see other people arguing, I don't need to get into the middle of that. I need to move away from that. This isn't my fight. This isn't my concern. This isn't my problem. But where will you see the eight go? Right into the middle of the conflict and then get into a fight that's not theirs. They could benefit from a little bit of that nineness, like this is not anything I need to be involved in. This is not anything I need to be invested in. This is not my conflict. This is not my dilemma. This is not my problem. I need to just tuck my head down and just keep moving forward and stay out of it. This doesn't concern me. Wouldn't it be great if we could blend a little bit on these lines? Okay, look at the nine and the one. We're kind of ending up where we started with the one. So the one, let's get a list. Let's get productive. What needs to be done today? Let's get moving. Let's get it done. Let's do the right thing. Let's be responsible. Other people need to do what's the right thing. They need to learn to take out the trash when the trash is full. They need, I don't know why ones talk like that. Um, I, I kind of need my glasses here. Other people need to learn to take out the trash. They need to make sure they put their books away when they come home. Put your shoes in your room, young man. You need to learn to be responsible. Look at the nine right next to him. Um... I need to try to put myself in the other person's shoes. I need to try to see things from their perspective. You know, what makes me think that I'm right about this? Uh, there's probably lots of different ways of looking at this. I don't really need to preach a sermon at them. I need to try to understand them. Now, which one of those is appropriate? Um, or look at that one, let's get busy, let's get this done today, the nine. I need to write that down on a list and then, okay, I wrote the list. That's What else do you expect from me? I mean, I put it all down on paper. That's almost done. So I can relax now. Um, I'll work on it tomorrow. 
tomorrow's going to be great. Tomorrow, we're going to get all kinds of things done tomorrow. But not right now. The one, do it now. Do it now. Get busy right now. Don't go to bed tonight unless the job is done. The nine, I'll be able to do it a lot better tomorrow after I'm rested. Which one of these approaches is correct? They're both depending on the circumstances. It would be good for that nine, especially nine wing eight, to learn to tell themselves, you know what, I need to quit making excuses. I need to just get this done. I need to work on the big jobs first and make sure I know my priorities and get focused and get productive and get done. And this is the right way to do things. It would be good for that one wing two to learn to blend a little more into that nine. Like this is not, I don't need to get on my soapbox right now. I need to be quiet. I need to try to understand what my daughter is telling me rather than preach a sermon at her. Why don't I try to understand her? Why don't I try to investigate, you know, what's going on in her heart and what's going on in her mind. And rather than just correcting her, maybe I need to join her. Maybe I need to sit next to her. Maybe I just need to try to understand her. Maybe I could be quiet. Maybe someone else can preach the sermon today. Maybe it's not my place. There's a very sharp line there of a totally different way of looking at things. Wouldn't it be great if we could blend those lines a little better, blur those lines a little better? So I hope this video gets you thinking. I hope that it challenges you, gets your brain moving, you know, and just another level to learning about the Enneagram and seeing your blind spots um, and seeing what might make your life better, might make your relationships better. Um, and when you look at the people in your life, if you know their type, think about that. Think about like if you have a son that is a one wing two, um, think about like how much nine would benefit them. Okay. Or if you have a daughter that's a three wing four, think about like when you, when you are giving advice to them, try to put yourself in, in, in the wings, in the mentality of their wings and speak from that perspective. Like for example, if you had a three wing four son and they're very the professional and they're very focused and they're very productive and they're working out and they're on the varsity team and they're, you know, uh, who's who on the honor roll. Um, if you are going to give advice to them or you are going to challenge them or encourage them, kind of put yourself in that two voice and remind them of the need to love and to care for others and to develop others and to influence others and that life is really about others and promoting them and helping others on the journey, not just perfecting yourself, but improving the lives of others and loving people. Interesting stuff. You know, I was just on a side note, I was talking to somebody a while back that was a three wing four and they were having a relationship problem and they wanted to know what to do to solve it. You know, how do I fix this? How do I achieve this perfect relationship? And I just immediately thought, you're a three wing four, let's talk about the two. And I thought, well, what are you doing to show love to your, to your, your spouse? What are you doing to show love? Now that was not a thought that came naturally to them. They were thinking in terms of like, what do I need to do to prove, to prove, to accomplish, to achieve, to mark off the box. And this took them in a whole different direction. Like, 
How about you love your wife? Probably the one thing your wife wants to feel most is that you love her. So accomplishing a lot of tasks or achieving a lot of isn't necessarily the way to win this. The way to win this is truly lean into that too and focus some attention on her and love her. People tend to know <coughs> whether you love them or not. And when you don't love them, and I mean phileo, eros, when you don't have affection for them, then not much else you do really is going to make a difference. I bought you flowers. I bought you a cake. Didn't, don't you remember? I took you, out on, I took you out on a date. What else do you want me to do? I want you to love me. It's very hard to fake love. So you're going to need to find love from somewhere outside yourself, some, somebody stronger than you. And at the end of the day, you know, that's why I do what I do, because you've got to have a source that you can draw that love from so that you can love people that can be difficult to love. All right, let's end there. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you all. Thank you for supporting the channel. Um, be present to life. And uh, don't let life pass you by because it didn't work out the way you hoped it would or things aren't going the way you planned. Um, just uh, let's try to be a little more observational to life. Here it comes. There it is. We interact with it and then we let it go and we, we wait. We, we accept the next thing. Okay. Take care, guys. Blessings.